Hey, Shanna, did you know that you can purchase audiobooks directly from your local bookstore? Yes. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But with Libro FM, you get to search up your local indie bookstore and support them instead. And if you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to squeeze more reading into your busy life. I constantly have a book in my ear because cleaning the house or exercising is so much more fun while reading. Sign up for Libro.fm and use the code GOODBOOKS to get two books instead of one for the price of your first month's membership. Good books. Good books. All right, there we go. We've got a red light. Yes, we do. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Best Book Club podcast. I'm Shanna. And I'm Jen. And uh, how was your week, Jen? Uh, Yeah, if we could just go ahead and copy and paste what I said last week into this week. Still just the podcast, eh? Literally nothing else. I think I'm kind of in Groundhog Day. Yeah. Every day I wake up and it's Literally the exact same day every single day. We're pretty much into year two of Groundhog Day. Yes. So yeah, I mean, I, 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 I pretty boring. I have actually nothing. I couldn't even make something <laughs> up. Are, are you reading anything new? Uh, well, actually, I did manage to pick up an audiobook. So I've been listening to Mexican Gothic. Yes. And I and you I'm hate mostly it. Mostly liking it. Oh, oh good. No. I don't hate it. Your face said, I hate Uh, this, and I don't know how to tell you. (laughs) If anybody can ever see my face, it usually says I hate things, even though I'm about to say I like them. I I can't control it. I know I I am enjoying it. There are some things that I'm not super fond of. But one thing I kind of forgot to mention last week when we were talking about how 2020 impacted our reading was that I kind of feel like I'm hating way more books than usual. Mm. And I don't know if it's just because of the subject matter or like I have no idea because they're all different books and I'm not enjoying a lot of them. I am enjoying this one, but there's definitely parts of it that I'm not. So I, I'm only about, I think, halfway. So well, I still have buckle up. tons of time. Yeah. I mean, I hear that it gets really weird right at the end. Yes. Yes, it does. So. Uh, you still haven't read Rebecca, so... No, so that is on my list, but because I keep missing it at, during the spooky time. Yes, the perfect time. I, yeah, so I, I didn't get to read it because someone else had borrowed it from you. Well, And now I have to wait until October. See, anybody out there who has read both Mexican Gothic and Rebecca will know what I'm talking about when I say that there is like something really similar near the ends that kind of ties them together. But I can't even tell you about it until you've read both of them, so... Uh. I know. I'm on it. I'm currently on it. Sweet. I do really like the way that they're describing this house. I just, I love. I love that gothic feel. I just can't get enough of it. I mean, in all honesty, I'm just going to say it's the characters. I wish (laughs) the characters were taken out of the book and then everything else was left. It was just a spooky house. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'd be so down for that. Otherwise, I'm just still reading The House in the Cerulean Sea for book club. That's it. That's all I got. Very What about you? Nice. What's new with you? What are you reading? <sighs> well, I went back to work today. It was my very first Ugh. day back at work after my maternity leave. That is I mean, sad. it's a little sad, but I really like my job. I drive a Zamboni, so there are worse jobs. 
and I got to work with my husband, and he's a total babe, so that was nice. So that's not the worst day. It was day. not the worst day. It was actually pretty gravy, but, you know, back to work, so that'll just be another thing on my plate for a while, but that's okay. I gotta go back to work eventually, and then... I'll stop in like four months because I'll be having another baby. So I really shouldn't complain. Uh, and as for what I'm reading, I just finished The Song of Achilles. I did a reread for this episode. I finished that like an hour ago. So I am prepped for this. I'm still reading The Cerulean Sea, of course, but I'm not reading a physical book right now. What happened is I tried to order the Mrs. Christie book, because I kept thinking about it. And then I went online and I ordered it and I wanted to do in-store pickup. But what I did was I shipped it to my house. Oh. I know. <laughs> so no. Now I have, well, I say I have no physical book as though I don't have shelves of unread books. But that <laughs> is the one specifically that I want to be reading. So, yeah, now uh, I just have Cerulean C. Yeah, you did it wrong. I did it wrong. I messed up, but oh well. Bummer. That's pretty much all that's going on over here. So, are you excited? Let's talk about the Song of Achilles. Yes. So, the Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. This was on the top of both of our most favorite reads of 2020 list. I loved it so much. It was amazing. Yes. And I'm actually really jealous that you just like reread the whole thing. Oh, and it was every bit as good the second time around. And this time I listened to it on audio. And the first time I read it in a physical book, just as like the audio was fantastic. The narrator was, he was very, very good. Oh, Fraser Douglas. It was great. I think that it really... It was nice to listen to it the second time because I already knew everything that was going to happen. So if I did tune out for like half a minute, it wasn't the end of the world. Like I don't know what's happening anymore. Yeah. And I think that's a great reason to reread with audio. I did try to, I reread parts of the book just to prepare and as I was reading these parts, I just thought, oh, man, I wish I could just keep reading yeah. the entire book. But I, I didn't have time. I'm not much of a rereader. So just the fact that it interested me enough to keep reading just says how great the quality of the writing is. Yes, I also do not very often reread books, but I loved it. I loved every second of it. If you haven't read this book, we are about to spoil the crap out of it. Yes. You are being warned right now. If you do not like spoilers, go and read the book. And then come back and listen and then tell us what you thought. Yes. Um, if, if you don't care about spoilers, keep listening because, I mean, I don't care about spoilers. I, I love actually hearing what people think of things before I <laughs> indulge. Oh, my goodness. I... Am so bad if I see a page, my brain scans the page for the spoiler, even though I don't want the spoiler. I don't know why I can't seem to stop my eyes from looking for, like, he died. Yeah, which is a real problem when I try to send you 
pictures of books because I just want you to read the one single quote no. that I circle. No, don't show me the page. No. I will read the whole page. <laughs> but it's nice because now she scribbles out everything else just to stop my yes. tempted eyes. Yeah, it takes me a really long time. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Tell us about Maddie Mills. Sorry, that's what I call her because I'm in love with her. It's actually Madeline Miller, the incredible author of this book and Circe. Yes. So Achilles was Madeline's first book and it was published back in 2011. It won the Orange Prize for Fiction in 2012, which is now called the Women's Prize for Fiction. It was also a New York Times bestseller. It came back into popularity in the last two years after the release of her second novel, Circe, in 2018. That was actually the first Madeline Miller that I read. Yeah, me too. And is why I picked up The Song of Achilles. Me too. Shanna actually told me to read The Song of Achilles for a long time, but they looked at the cover and thought, no. (laughs) (laughs) Never judge a book by its cover. For so long. And then I had to read it for book club and I knew I was wrong, which I mean, I always am. (laughs) I always am wrong when I say, no, I'm not reading that. Maybe that's how you should start picking your books. Yeah. (laughs) Anything I think sounds stupid, I'm reading. Since reading these two books, we've both become such huge fans of Madeline Miller's. I love her. I love her so dearly. Everything she writes is great. Every interview I listen to or watch or read, I I just want to know more about her. And She's just so smart. Yes. Madeline Miller was born on July 24th, 1976 in Boston, but she grew up in New York and Philadelphia. She graduated from Brown University with a bachelor's and master's degree in classics. She then went on to teach Latin, Greek, and Shakespeare to high school students. She also studied at the University of Chicago's Committee on Social Thought, which I tried to research what exactly this was, and I read the description 10 times (laughs) and tried to understand what it was, but it was far too intellectual for me to even figure out. Sounds like it's smart school for smart people. Yeah, I kind of got it was like, you pick something really specific that you want to study, and then you kind of like study the crap out of it. But in like an artsy kind of way, I I won't be going to that (laughs) school. Uh, She also studied for a year at the Yale School of Drama, where she focused on the adaptation of classical texts to modern forms, which I found to be really interesting. Because although her novels aren't modernized forms of the stories, they are fantastic retellings of Greek mythology. And I expect that learning how to adapt classical works there did in fact influence her writing. I love this. I had no idea about that, but it makes so much sense. This, this might shock you, but I don't know Jack about Greek mythology. Me neither. Actually, I literally knew nothing until Madeline Miller taught me everything she knows. (laughs) She has taught me everything that I know at this point. And so with historical fiction, I used to kind of shun the genre because I thought, okay, even if it's history, it's also made up. So you're just teaching me fake history. How good is that? 
And I'm acting all smug like I'm reading history books all the time and don't muddy my history knowledge with your fake history. (laughs) No, I was also not doing that. But knowing that she has such a strong education and background in Greek mythology makes me feel like I can trust her. And like the version she's telling me is close enough that I could probably get away with it. Yeah. Well, especially because she can actually speak latin and greek so ridiculous so the song of achilles is a retelling of the iliad by homer and so she has read that book in its original greek so when she's telling this story she's not i mean she's not translating it she's doing a total retelling but she knows exactly what homer was trying to say she's not just making up the story of achilles right I married a guy with a Greek last name, which means I now have a Greek last name. And that's about as close as I get. It's fun when people are like, oh, you're Greek. And I'm like, not at all. (laughs) Not even close. But let me tell you about Achilles, because I know that one. The Iliad, that's like, oh, is that one super long? They're both poems. Like the They're super long. Just just one sec, one sec. So obviously nobody who's listening can see this, but you can. This is the Iliad. This book is about 600 or so pages long. The Iliad is an epic poem. It's written in some kind of poetic structure. I am not great with poetry. No, me neither. But... I've read a little bit and it it doesn't really read like a poem, not like a a traditional one that you're used to. So, oh, and a lot of this is like actually the introduction. (laughs) But I'm thinking of the Odyssey. I think that one's a lot shorter. Maybe. I'm not sure. I don't have that one, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was just as long. I don't know. I keep thinking maybe I'll read them. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about the Odyssey, but I know the Iliad's long. So the Iliad is, it's, it kind of talks about the snapshot, like this little snapshot in the Trojan War. It's kind of at the very end. It doesn't even touch the end of the Trojan War. It's just like six weeks or something near the end. Okay. Um, and then the Odyssey is a, is like after the Trojan War, and then Odysseus trying to get home. Oh, okay. Yeah. I love Odysseus. So I think the Odyssey is a lot more likely that I would try it. Yes. Um, I've also heard Madeline Miller talk about a translation of the Odyssey that she really enjoys by Emily Wilson. Yes. Here, her blurb. She blurbs it. Anything she blurbs, I am yes. like, okay. She says, Wilson's language is fresh, unpretentious, and lean. It is rare to find a translation that is at once so effortlessly easy to read and so rigorously considered. So the unpretentious and lean part is what intrigues me because my main problem with poetry, although even like flowery writing, I hate it. It's, I find it so hard to slog through. So if I could read this like epic poem without feeling like it's smarter than me, I would like that. 
Yeah, and I think reading this translation, the one by Emily Wilson, um, would probably be the best way to go. And But that's for the Odyssey. I haven't found one that says the same thing about the Iliad. And I'm sorry you were talking about the Iliad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's okay. They, they go hand in hand. They're both these epic poems by Homer. And I mean... We're going to be end up talking about them both regardless. Yeah, so the Song of Achilles is basically a retelling of the Iliad. And like I said, it just kind of covers a really small period of the of the Trojan War. So like I said, yeah, I've not read the Iliad. And Shanna has not read the Iliad. Not. <laughs> but I do have a copy of it on my nightstand for a couple of reasons. One of them being that... My youngest daughter's name is Calliope, and Calliope is actually the Greek muse of epic poetry. And it's said that she may have been Homer's muse for writing the Iliad and the Odyssey. So that wasn't my main reason for naming her that, but it did kind of help cement. It is a lovely, lovely name. Yes. And then my other reason actually is that I read an interview where Madeline Miller says that she got her love of Greek mythology from her mom reading to her from the Iliad at bedtime, which I just thought that's so cool. Like I want to be Madeline Miller's mom. I mean, not like Madeline (laughs) Miller's mom, but Madeline Miller's mom is the kind of mom I strive to be. Yes, that is so cool. I know, like, with my mom reading The Hobbit, that's where my love of reading started. And now I'm a huge fantasy nerd. So maybe it's up to us to, (laughs) oh, man, I got to read my kids some really smart stuff really fast. Yeah, I mean, I tried doing that with Jorah when she was little. I was always reading to her from my books. And I do that with Calliope as well. But eventually Jorah was like, uh, I don't want to hear this anymore. <laughs> I want to read Harry Potter yeah. and I don't want you to read it to me. So bye. Well, at least she's reading. Like, yeah. She, yeah, she became a huge reader in the end. Yeah. So I guess that's a win, but. When Ben was just a little itty bitty baby, I was reading the Game of Thrones series. And after a while, I was like, oh, I don't know if I should be saying these words out loud to him. But <laughs> yeah. It's like, he's only three months old. He doesn't know. It's more about my voice. But sometimes I'd be like, ooh, I'm sorry if I'm damaging you in some way. <laughs> yeah, the same thing happens to me. And I just have to like, oh, I'm just going to read this part in my head. Yes. And continue on once this horrible scene is over. <laughs> and the thing with A Song of Ice and Fire is it, I'm quiet for a while when I do that. Yes. <laughs> Right. True. So anyways, the Iliad. You know more about it than me, so you give her (laughs) hell. Okay. In the Iliad, there is a somewhat minor character named Patroclus, who is Achilles' like special companion. I say he's a minor character only because he really doesn't have a lot of lines in the Iliad. Or not lines, but he he doesn't really do a whole lot, but his death is a major turning point in the Trojan War and in the story of Achilles. It's become pretty well accepted that Patroclus and Achilles were actually lovers. So in the Iliad, it doesn't come out and say that. And as far as I've read, it's it's that the, the Greek language is pretty ambiguous. So different words have 
many different meanings or they don't translate to English very well. We're just kind of depending on whoever's translating it at that time as to how they are interpreting it. And their own sensitivities and prejudices, most likely. Yes. A lot of people say that the way that their relationship is described is that they're obviously lovers, especially after Patroclus's death, because Achilles has such a strong reaction to it. Does he ever? Yes, does he ever? <laughs> so because of that, people are like, well, obviously they were together. But I mean, at the same time, obviously homosexuality isn't always very accepted. And now it is starting. I mean, we're, we're getting a little bit better with that in society. So now more of those kinds of stories are starting to pop up. But over the years, the, the translations haven't shown that as often. And I suppose, like, you can also be pretty gutted at the death of, like, a brother. But yes, I'm sure that there is more behind the uh, interpretation. I haven't read the Iliad like I said, but they were lovers in my heart from now until forever. Forever. Madeline Miller wrote the story, not just that they were lovers, but that they were great loves. And it was so good. I am not super into romance or the genre, but I do want to give it more of a try because to be fair, I have snubbed it without really giving it a chance. And then occasionally I read stories like this and I think, well, no, this is what I want. This is what I like. So there's obviously a type of romance that I enjoy. I think it's just taking that time to dig it out and find it that might help open the door to that whole genre for me. Because these guys melt me and just break me. Yeah. And I was thinking a lot about that, why it feels so different than traditional romance. And I kind of thought maybe it has to do with the fact that we're seeing the story through Patroclus's eyes. The whole story is written from his point of view and he loves Achilles just unconditionally, but he can also see his flaws And I kind of think that that's where it differs from traditional romance. A lot of times, either they think that the person they love is all flaws (laughs) and they don't know why they love them. Oh, yes. Or it's just like, love is blind, doesn't matter. (laughs) But it does matter. And Patroclus sees these flaws in Achilles. And I mean, he loves him anyways. It's not something that he's just ignoring. And I mean, I don't know if that is helping with that romance portion of things, but I think it it helped me. For me too, probably because this is so far in the past, sometimes some things that are a little bit problematic in relationships bother me less if they can be blamed on the era that they are happening in. So when the great love of your life killed a boy at 10 years old, you know... I just feel like there's more lenience. Yeah, it would definitely be different now if that happened. Because <laughs> it was just like, oh, you killed a boy and now you're in exile and you're here in my father's island. I love you I love anyways. you anyways. It's perfect. Yeah. I love Achilles because Patroclus loves Achilles. And I just wonder for anybody who 
knows the Iliad, if Achilles is the biggest jerk ever, because he seems like he would be without Patroclus. So maybe my love for him is weird. And like, why would you like such a terrible character? I don't know. All I know of him yeah, is I, this book. And I love this book. So I love him. Yeah, I don't I don't know much about him either. And, but the idea that I always had of him was that he was very full of himself and pretty much a jerk. I, f- I don't know if that's true. He was pretty much, in my imagination, just one giant foot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, that too. Yeah, because we're seeing it through Patroclus's eyes and he loves Achilles so much. And Achilles loves him so much, which I mean, oh, it was just, I love them both. I'm just in love with them both. So let's recap what the hell happens in this. It is not a long book, but it is a lot of stuff happens. Yes, so much stuff happens in this book, and every single scene is important to the story. There is not a lot of filler, which I really appreciated. Considering the content, it's pretty fast-paced, too. You know, they're at school, and they're on the mountain, and they're, you know, they're not doing anything super exciting, but it's like things happen very, very quickly throughout the novel. It's very condensed without feeling like she cut anything out. It's Mm -hmm. 369 pages and it feels like it keeps moving because so much is happening. Like you get to see their lives from boyhood to death and it just doesn't feel like you're missing anything. The book begins with Patroclus as a young boy seeing Achilles for the first time at a sporting event. It's kind of like the Olympics or something. Yeah. Even being so young, like how old, do you remember how old they were? Five. So young. young. Um, He is immediately struck by Achilles. What he says is, my eye catches on a light head among dozens of dark tousled crowns. I lean forward to see hair lit like honey in the sun and within it, Glints of gold, the circlet of a prince. Mm-hmm. Oh, five-year-old little boy seeing the love of his life for the first time. Oh, it's so lovely. So much of her writing is so beautiful like that without feeling pretentious or flowery. Yes. Like, I don't understand the words. It still has that effect of just making me swoon just with the language that she uses. Yeah, I totally agree. Her writing is so beautiful without being over the top. Then the story moves to setting up how the Trojan War even starts. So for anyone who doesn't know, also, like we said before, I I didn't know anything about Greek mythology or the Trojan War before this book. Oh yeah. So quick disclaimer, not Greek mythology experts. Definitely not. Do not take (laughs) what we say to the bank. Your check will bounce. (laughs) Yeah, we will probably get it wrong, (laughs) but we're going to try to tell you what happened. (laughs) So Helen, who is the most beautiful woman in the world, gets to choose a husband. So all of these suitors show up to her place and she ends up choosing Menelaus. Yes. Yeah, that's right. I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce all the names. So I listened to the audiobook and I will still probably butcher half of them. Yeah. (laughs) Menelaus does sound right. Menelaus, yeah. So we're going to try. So she chooses Menelaus, and 
than the rest of the the men that showed up who patroclus is also in this group of men even though he's like eight years old or something yeah he's still a very small child so obviously helen doesn't choose him she does not all the other men there have to swear an oath that they will fight if anyone goes against this decision so you know what i thought was kind of weird they all bring her presents and then they get to pick somebody? That seems like a good way to get a bunch of free presents. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't we think of this? Uh, well. I love presents. I, I also love presents. Not as much <laughs> as I love my husband, luckily. Well, I guess if he brought the best one, then. Uh, he wouldn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> Eventually, many years later. For setting up the Trojan War here, it's a long time in the future when the boys yeah. are 16 years old. That And Helen is an adult now because she was just a little girl as well when she was promised or wed. Paris of Troy decides that he wants Helen because she's the most beautiful woman in the world. And he just steals her in the night is the story that everybody is buying. I am on team Helen sucks and went willingly and this is her fault. Yes, I I also got that she decided to go with Paris instead. It just, I don't know. The story that she's telling isn't adding up. I'm doing the math. No. Not liking what I'm seeing. No. But So because this happens, all of the men who were at this original oath-swearing thing, they are going to be called to defend her. Whether whether it's her fault or not. You know what? It is not expressly said that she went on purpose. So if, if she was a victim and she was kidnapped, I'm victim blaming pretty hard. I, I, I think there was one line somewhere that did say maybe. Yes. I mean. <laughs> she chose it. it. I don't remember. I that. think it was Patroclus and Achilles are theorizing later on because right. i remember listening to it being like yeah boys i agree <laughs> yeah. it's okay she is happy it's fine yeah. she, she she was something yes yeah, so all the men who swore this oath now have to defend her honor and get her back um agamemnon who is menelaus's brother leads the troops to troy where they basically sit there for 10 years not saving helen <sighs> i hate him so much Oh, he's the worst. <laughs> yeah. This is all what happens later. Let's rewind back to when the boys are little, just after these games. A few years later, after seeing Achilles at the games, Patroclus is 10 and he accidentally kills another boy. And then he gets banished to Thea to live at the palace of Peleus, who is Achilles' father. And he essentially collects foster boys and I think I remember it being like he's kind of building an army. Yeah, they pretty much owe him. And so, yeah, he's making an army out of exiled noble kids. Which, I mean, it's pretty smart. They gotta go somewhere. And they come with presents. Yes, they do. <laughs> presents everywhere. The had their present game pretty tight. So this is where Achilles and Patroclus, like, meet for real. And... Achilles also, in turn, sees something special in Patroclus right away. I think that what it was was that Patroclus didn't swarm him like the other boys. 
it was kind of like a, I want what I can't, not what I can't have, but what doesn't want me sort of a thing. Yeah. Although Patroclus was like, I do want him. Yeah, he was suiting a little, but... But in private. Yes, and he was... Patroclus was a little bit snobby, I would say, and he was angry. And, like, he was shunning his lessons, because when Achilles actually does finally stop and meet him and talk to him, he finds him basically hiding in a closet, not wanting to go to class, which is kind of adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So then Achilles decides... Yeah, you're the one. And he tells his father, this is Patroclus, and I want him as my special companion, which I think they use the term therapon. Yes. Kind of means lifelong special companion. That means that pretty much no one can ever separate them. Patroclus goes where Achilles goes, and there can be no question. And all of the other boys wanted to be this, and that's why they were all adoring him so much. And nobody understands why he picked him. Because it's very unclear why he would. But there was something. Turns out it was love. There was something. Yeah. (laughs) So Achilles' mother, Thetis, doesn't want Patroclus to be Achilles' therapon. Doesn't want him in his life at all. Mm -hmm. And pretty much from the get-go, just is so mean to Patroclus. She is the mother-in-law from hell. Yes, but she does have a pretty, she has a pretty good reason for being the way she is. Yeah. Not that she has a good reason for being that way to Patroclus necessarily. No. Patroclus and Achilles did not do anything to her. Peleus, however, he did. And he's an ass. And she should have been just as miserable as she wanted to him. Yes. But she really disdains all humanity. Yeah. Well, and I mean, maybe, yeah, she should. Yeah. We. They didn't really prove themselves to be worth more. But because, so here's the thing. She is a goddess, a lesser god. She's a sea nymph. And she is super, super scary. I actually found the passage where Patroclus describes her for the first time. He says, She was taller than I was, taller than any woman I had ever seen. Her black hair was loose down her back, and her skin shone luminous and impossibly pale, as if it drank light from the moon. She was so close I could smell her, seawater laced with dark brown honey. I did not breathe. I did not dare. Then, says here, her eyes were not like a human's. They were black to their center and flecked with gold. I could not bring myself to meet them. Then later on, they also describe her mouth. Her mouth was a gash of red, like the torn open stomach of a sacrifice. Behind it, her teeth shone sharp. And white as bone. So. Yeah, she sounds really scary. She sounds like a nightmare. And every single time she shows up, Patroclus describes what she looks like or how she is. And it's always terrifying. The narrator in the audiobook gave her this very creepy kind of monstery voice. And it, it was perfect for the character. Awesome. Thetis' story is not very nice. Like you said, she was a sea goddess who Zeus loved. But there was a prophecy that said that she would bear a son that was more powerful than his father. So obviously Zeus couldn't have that. So he forced her to marry a mortal man 
Peleus against her will. Very much against her will. Very much. I think he he waits on the beach for her to appear and then attacks her, rapes her, impregnates her. And and then she just has to be with him and be married to him for a year. That's Yeah, the gods force her to agree to stay for a year. That is a raw deal. F that. For some reason she does. I guess she has to. I don't know. It must be god business but must be some kind of magic keeping her there i don't know but the second the year is done she runs back to the sea Mm -hmm. never well she returns but only for her son yeah just to see achilles and to be a part of his life but otherwise she hates all other mortals she has every right to be pissed right off yes but yeah she was a really interesting character i thought i really liked her part in the book. She was definitely very interesting. She was not quite a villain. Yeah, she didn't do very much. She was mean, but there was only a few parts in the story where she actually kind of contributed to what was happening. Yeah, no, there was one big one that comes yes. up pretty soon. But otherwise, yeah, that was she just, the one. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, she didn't do too much to actually influence the events. She was just standing around being rotten about everything. Yes. So one day, the boys, they are getting older, and they are best friends. Everything is easier together. And they're sitting on the beach, and then they kiss. Thetis saw it, and could you imagine having your first kiss and then looking out, and your scary mother is in the water (laughs) just, like, pissed off? So pissed. (laughs) Achilles booked it, and then Patroclus, his heart was instantly broken. He was afraid he messed everything up. Yeah. I love this part. It was so sweet. It was very sweet and also very sad. Yeah, because Thetis comes out right away and says to Patroclus, like, I saw it. What are you doing with my son? Get away from him. Which, I mean, (sighs) the first time you kiss someone, you do, like... That's not really what you want to have happen? No. No. But, so basically, right away... Achilles is sent away. Yes. Yeah, the very next day, Patroclus wakes up, and because they share a room and Achilles isn't there. So he thinks, wow, that kiss really screwed everything up because now Achilles is gone. He's freaking out, looking all over the palace for him. Mm, he, yeah. And then he finds out that he went, oh, no, no, no. This is where th- they knew he was leaving. Yeah, they knew he was leaving. This happens twice. Yes. So I, it. Yeah, I get confused by the two uh, Achilles leaving stories. This one, they knew he was leaving ahead of time, but Achilles kind of sneaks out in the morning. Patroclus knows where he's going, and which is to train with Chiron. Yeah, yes. I think that it's more like they knew it was going to be happening. He didn't know when it was going to be happening. And I think it was just moved up after. Right. Achilles is gone. Patroclus is like, what do I do? I'll run away. That's the solution. Yeah, so he just follows Achilles and leaves the palace on foot, walks out into the woods, and he's like, I'll find him eventually. Oh, yeah, no, he runs for two hours straight. When (laughs) they said that, I was like, okay, I can run for about 20 seconds straight, and then I'm going to sit down. So, (laughs) very nice cardio, Patroclus. But could you imagine? (laughs) So what happens is he runs away for, like, yeah, the two hours, And then he turns around, realizes, crap, I'm an idiot. I'm not going to get to the top of this mountain by the end of the night. I am tired. I have no water and no food. And I really didn't think this through. It would take him 
so much longer to walk back. Ugh, anytime I go for a run. By the time I get like halfway there, I'm like, crap, I need to run back too. No, thank you. Yeah, time to turn around. <laughs> so I really, I felt that in my soul when he's like, oh crap, yeah. I ran too far. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily Achilles is there just waiting for him. Yeah. And he says, I hoped you would come. And he did. Yeah. Cause he didn't want to make the journey up the mountain without Patroclus. Yeah. They're reunited. And then Chiron, who is this centaur, which is awesome, comes out of the woods, right? And says, you know, yes, you are welcome to train with me as well. Get on my back and I'll carry you up the mountain. I love it. And he says, like, are you guys trained in riding? And they're like, yes. He's like, okay, forget that because I hate that. You better not squeeze me with your legs or jerk me around. (laughs) Yeah, because normally I don't let people ride on my back on the first (laughs) date. But most people didn't just run for two hours to the base of a mountain. So I'm going to make an exception. Yeah. You look bad. Yes. They go up the mountain to Chiron's cave. And it's this gorgeous cave of rose quartz, mm-hmm. which ah, I want to live there. This part of the book is my favorite. I could just read this section from when he runs away to the end of the Mount Chiron part i love it so much i want so much for the boys to just be able to pause in time here yeah well this is where they're just living their best life together they're just they're together they're learning things that they're interested in like music and medicine they don't have to be princes or wards no and Thetis actually can't see them in the cave where she can see them everywhere else. So they finally have that little bit of like privacy to explore their relationship. And they do quite intimately. They take advantage of that. I wonder how Chiron was feeling about that. I'm sure, I'm sure he was, (laughs) but I thought like, okay, your mom can't see you, but I'm pretty sure Chiron has ears. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I also was kind of wondering about that, but I just kind of hoped that maybe he had, like, gone to the bathroom or something. Yeah, he had, like, his noise-canceling headphones on, and he was hanging out, playing his lyre. Yeah, we can only hope. (laughs) But yeah, this whole part of the book is beautiful. Uh, Yeah, so the boys stay there for two years until they are 16 years old. They learn medicine from him and all sorts of stuff just as it happens. Chiron sees Achilles fight and he says, I can't teach you anything. You're already the best. And he asks Patroclus, do you want to be a warrior? And he's like, no, I don't. So then they don't have to even do any fighting up there, which is also lovely because they do a lot of fighting later. Yeah, they do enough of that. It should be said that there is a prophecy that says that Achilles will be the greatest warrior and will be remembered forever, but he will die very young. Him and Patroclus live their lives with this idea hanging over their heads, and he knows that he's going to have to make a decision. And at first... Because he also has the option to not. Like, he can choose to not take the fame, and him and Patroclus can go and live happily ever after but he's achilles and fame is part of the deal that he wants yeah and it was a super big thing at that time 
Yes. You know, nobody wanted to live like the the simple life. Everybody wanted that that fame too. So I think that played into it. But he doesn't really want to make the choice at this point. He he's kind of hoping, I think, that he doesn't have to and that he will just be able to get around it a little bit. Yeah. Well when you're sixteen, you know, you're absolutely yeah. invincible still. Yeah, so he he's not going to die young in his mind, and him he's going to be able to have the fame, and he's going to be able to live with Patroclus for the rest of their lives, and that's just kind of what he's hoping for. So then it comes that Achilles and Patroclus have to leave the mountains, which was so sad. It was very, and... very sad. They were just hanging out, and then they hear a soldier or a messenger sent from the palace just calling for Achilles, and he says, you have to come now. Your father is summoning you. And so after two years up with Chiron, they suddenly have to pack up and go home. They both say, we'll be back. We're just going to go deal with this and we'll be back. I think Chiron, you can tell, doesn't think that they will be back. But he doesn't say it to them. He's very kind. Yeah, he wasn't buying it, but, you know, he went along. They have to go back to the palace and then everybody is gathering and they're like, wow, something big is going on. And they were waiting on Achilles to get there so that Peleus, it's Peleus, isn't it? Right. He can announce that Helen has been stolen and that they're being called to fight against Troy. Yeah, so this is where it's revealed that Patroclus was at, like, the whole oath ceremony with Helen. He forgot. He was so young. And it was such a weird thing. And so much has happened since then that, yeah, he just didn't remember until they mentioned it. He's like, this sounds... Yes. They read his name out on the list, like reading the yes. names. And they're like, oh, man, that's my yeah. name. <laughs> Don't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> they were hoping to get around it because he was a exile. So he technically didn't carry his father's name anymore, which they were hoping would make the contract null and void. Thetis shows up at this whole thing as well, and she's just there being scary, Uh, but she does not want Achilles to go to war. She thinks he is too young, and she knows that he will die young, and I can't really blame her for not wanting her boy to go to war and die. No, me neither. I don't know that the way she goes about it was the (laughs) best. Yeah, this whole part of the book really confused me, and I meant to reread just this portion but I, I mean, I did get to it. But... Don't worry, I've got you. And it is weird. <laughs> Thank you. It's, yeah, it's weird. So this is the second time that Patroclus wakes up and Achilles is just gone. And this time he is freaking out. He's running around the palace looking for anybody to tell him where Achilles went. And eventually he gets Peleus to tell him where he went. Thetis made him go to the island Skyros? Is it called Skyros? Skyros. Yep. She stole him away to Skyros, where he is hiding as one of the foster daughters. It's basically the same thing as Peleus does with boys. This island is where nobles send their daughters to be fostered, which is a ripoff because at least Peleus has like a palace and it's nice there. Skyros is like a jagged, rocky island in the middle of the ocean. It didn't sound great. No. No. 
Um, but they're fantastic dancers there, so at least they've got that. Yes. Not only does Thetis make him go, but forces him to marry the daughter of the king there. Her name, I heard it said about a thousand times, but I cannot say it. Datamea? Datamea? Th- that's as good as I'm going to do. Datamea. <laughs> um, she is stoked because Achilles is super hot and super famous. And so she is all about it. They get married, and then Thetis also forces them to consummate the marriage, which you would think she would be against, but apparently she is not. And so she makes them do it. And I am scared to even try to say the name. Did God damn it. yes. She gets pregnant, but nobody can even know that Achilles is Achilles. So her honor is completely smashed. And then when Patroclus comes to the island, Achilles claims him as his husband. And, oh, she is so upset. It's one of those scenes, like in Ye Olden books, where, you know, women just like faint and scream and cry loudly for a long time. And I'm like, okay, women don't do this. But apparently she did. She was just wailing in the hall when it's revealed that Achilles is... Patroclus' husband. Yes. Yeah. Anyways, Achilles is on this island. He is dressed as a woman. He is playing the part. He's having a great time with it. Um, <laughs> like, he is wearing the jewelry. He is doing the dances. He's wearing perfume. He's really, really playing into the role. Yeah, he liked it a yes. lot, <laughs> which I mean, it kind of played into why I was so confused because the way that it was described was like he was a woman, he was doing the dancing, and yeah. and then it was like he is Achilles, and I'm like, what? Are he you? was deep undercover. Yeah, very deep. So the whole idea was that later it would be revealed that he was Achilles and that they were married, and it just seems like a really bad plan on Thetis's part. I'm not. Really sure how she thought this was going to go, but probably better than how it went. Yes, probably. So Achilles, he thought that his mother was going to tell Patroclus where he was. And that was why he agreed to sleep with and marry Diadema. Datamea. (laughs) Datamea. And that's the only reason that he agreed to it was because he was told that she would tell Patroclus where he was. And she lied. Yeah, she did not tell him anything. Everybody was very upset. I mean, Patroclus was heartbroken because he felt betrayed and uh, he he did not know that it was against Achilles' will. Didamea was betrayed and used and just everything in her life was completely totaled. And yeah, Achilles, he actually did okay, I guess. <laughs> I mean, he would. Yeah. He is he's Achilles. Yeah, he was I mean, he does he does okay until he doesn't. Until he doesn't, yes. He saved it all up. Yeah. There's a part where Datamea goes to Patroclus's room and confronts him about the whole thing. And I mean, I, I really wish I had reread this part. Um, it's still weird. It's still weird the second time around, too. So okay, yeah. first, she's like, you're so ugly. 
everybody says you're ugly. My dad says you're ugly. The girls say you're ugly. I think you're ugly. And then she starts telling him all of the ugly parts of him. And Patroclus is just like, oh, you know, she's really sad. Don't be mean. And then she slaps him. And then he's like, don't slap her back. Like, he's just really keeping his cool pretty good. And then she's like, why does he love you and not me? And then they have sex. Because he just feels so bad for her and he wants to comfort her. And then it sounds like they have sex. And it is not satisfying for her. So then she's all mad. And it was very uncomfortable. I felt bad for everybody involved. Yeah, it seemed pretty sad. A pretty <laughs> sad story. Yes. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It felt kind of strange and out of place, but... Yeah. I just don't really think Patroclus would have done that, but I don't know. What do I know? I don't know. He was pretty recently heartbroken. It might have felt a little bit like retribution. Yeah, maybe. That still seems a little bit out of character. She is then sent away to the farm or whatever, to her aunt's house to visit, but actually is to have the baby since nobody can know that she's pregnant and going to have a baby because nobody knows that she is married. But the father, I cannot remember his name, but her father, the King of Skyros, he tells Achilles, like, the kid has to have your name. And he says, yeah, okay, that's, that's fine. That's fair. Oh, and then Thetis wants to raise the boy, like the the baby. So oh, that poor woman has everything stripped from her, is not loved by the man that she wants to love her, and then her kid is taken away. Yeah, it's so horrible. She really is delivered a raw deal at every angle. It sucks. But this is where we meet Odysseus, other than at the very, very beginning, he was also at the Helen oath swearing. Yeah. So Odysseus, what, shows up at the island with the ship and says, you know, we're going to war and we want you to fight with us. Except what is so fun is that Patroclus and Achilles are still not outed as Patroclus and Achilles, they're still calling themselves Cryomedes, which is like the son of Chiron. And Achilles is still posing as a woman. So uh, Odysseus gets there and he starts talking to Patroclus like, you seem so familiar. Like, oh, no, I'm not. He's like, where are you from? And like, he's just skirting around it and lying his ass off. Yeah, because Odysseus knows everything. He does know, but Patroclus thinks he's getting away with it. And Achilles is just like, they call the women out and he's just la la la, looking at all the jewelry and stuff because they brought all these gifts. And Odysseus and his men, they stage a confrontation where Achilles turns into Achilles just on instinct and he rips out a a spear just lightning fast. So he's clearly Achilles because nobody else in the world could react this way. And so he is outed as himself. And so he has to drop the whole facade. And he's like, okay, fine. You found me. He's like, okay, well, we've got some stuff to talk about. So Odysseus says, let's go, Achilles. Let's go chat. Oh, and tell Patroclus he can come too. We got to talk to him as well. 
And so I just love that feeling of Patroclus being like, oh, uh, uh, caught. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, he was found out. I just love knowing that, like, that whole part where he thinks he's being so clever. He's he's not. <laughs> well, yeah, no one, I don't think, can be as clever as Odysseus. That is his thing. Yes. And he it's, like, enjoyable to read. He's such a, he's kind of funny. And yeah, totally. Yeah, I like that about him. So that's kind of why, like, just a little offside, part of the reason why I'm kind of um, interested in reading the Odyssey, because it is focused on on Odysseus as a character. Yeah, he was one of the the better ones, for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, And then this is where they get told that they're going to go fight, and they basically threaten Achilles that they'll tell everybody that he was hiding from war, and he's a big scaredy cat and dressing like a woman so he says oh okay fine i'll go i'll go to war and thetis shows up as well big scary thetis and she's pissed and patroclus is also very upset and very pissed off and so they finally have a talk patroclus and thetis and she tells him that more of the prophecy has been revealed to her but all that she knows is that he will not die, like Achilles will not die, until Hector falls. And that's how Patroclus and Achilles decide, well, Hector's never done anything to me, so why should I kill him? In a ploy to extend Achilles' life. Yeah, so here's the way they think that they can get around it again. Just keep Hector alive, and we can just keep on going together. It's sad to think how many people lost their lives because... Of that choice, but... Right? Yeah. I don't know. It's easy to be selfish when it's the people you love on the line. That's true. Yeah, so they they leave on the way to Troy, and along the way, they stop, and they kind of get stuck on this beach. The wind stops, so the ships can't move forward. It's because that they've angered the god Artemis, who is on the Trojan side, so Artemis is trying to stop them from arriving in Troy. Uh, so yeah, Artemis stops the wind and it becomes clear that they need to appease this god Artemis. So Agamemnon, <gasps> who is the worst, the worst, uh, sets up this whole kind of wedding. His daughter is to marry Achilles and he brings her out and just kills her right at Achilles' feet. Yes, and he's positioned, like the guy who slits her throat, is positioned so that Achilles, even being the fastest, greatest warrior in the world, wouldn't have seen it coming and had nothing, like he couldn't do anything about it. They lied to him. He did not know that this was going to happen. And this was the moment that sealed Agamemnon Agamemnon, as a bad guy. He is a villain and... Oh, I was so angry. This girl trusted that this was happening and she was so happy. And then they just slit her throat. Yeah. And they, they tried to say, oh, she knew and she went along with it. Didn't. She didn't. She didn't know. They, he sacrificed his daughter and. And that's evil. I mean, evil. And I mean, how can you be a good guy when your name is Agamemnon anyways? Actually, I was remember being really shocked. I mean, I, we read yeah. this book in, I think, June of 2020 or something. I still remember that moment of reading that and being like, oh, 
Oh, shit. Yeah, I was <laughs> not stoked. Yeah, it was pretty sad. Yeah. But immediately, she sacrificed. Artemis is appeased. The winds yeah. start blowing again. I don't like him much either. And, no, no. So now the ships are on their way again to Troy. Ugh. And yeah, when they get there, they basically just spend years and years and years not invading the walls of Troy. They just set up camp outside of the walls and then spend 10 years raiding the outlying cities or towns. Yeah, they spend a long time there because somebody, Achilles, refuses to go after Hector because he hasn't done anything to him. But a lot of farmers and families and soldiers are dying every day. Yeah, and doesn't it turn out that Achilles actually kills people in Hector's family? Yes, yeah, he, because uh, when they're talking to Brisi, who is a spoil of war, um, she was basically a war like a prize. Yeah, and so she's taken, then she's given out as a prize. Achilles claims her because Patroclus wants him to. Because anybody else would have done very horrible things to her. They built her a tent, and they just started collecting women to save them from all of the other men. And so one night they're talking to Brisi, and they ask, like, what do you know of Hector? And she says, I don't know anything about Hector, but I know of his wife. And so she tells about their family, and afterwards... Achilles is telling Patroclus, like, I killed all of them except the youngest, like, so that their name and line will survive, but they're all dead. Like, I killed that family. Yeah, so it's like, like he keeps saying, why would I kill Hector? He hasn't done anything to me, but now he can't say the same thing back. Exactly, yeah. Hector's got every reason to want to kill him. Yeah, I mean, I love that they've kind of created this little, like, city of of saved women. Yes. It's Oh, that was I love that. It's so nice. I love cuz at the beginning she doesn't speak any Greek and they're trying to explain to her like we're not going to hurt you and she's afraid, of course. So the only way Patroclus can think to tell her is he grabs Achilles and he just kisses him. And then she's like, <laughs> yeah. "Okay. Now she's listening. Like what is going on?" Oh, man, her and Patroclus's relationship was just so sweet. They grew to be such close friends over that 10 years. And oh man, it it that broke me. They were so, so sweet. And so they got so close and Breezy had feelings towards Patroclus that were romantic. She basically offered him like, you can still be with Achilles. I just want to be your wife and have your children. And we can still still be this but he said no and yeah it was very sad because i was like oh no that sounds like a great deal of course it can't happen mm -hmm. but you know it's no, kind of like but, staying on the mountain it's like what i kind of wish would have happened yeah me too and he he says no but he does he does envision that life with her and he does say, maybe if there had been no Achilles, mm -hmm. this could have been possible. But alas, there was an Achilles, and, and that was all that he wanted. So yeah, they collect women. The war goes on forever. Uh, Patroclus becomes a great healer. And Achilles finally has the chance to be 
this great warrior that he was born to be, and his bloodlust is high. Yeah, he loves it. He comes back just covered in blood every day and buzzing. Um, yeah, that just goes on for a really, really long time. Uh, they develop these relationships. We find out more about how much Agamemnon. Ag- <laughs> I really hate these names. I am sorry. Agamemnon. Agamemnon. I love the name Agamemnon. <laughs> I can't. I cannot handle it. It is too many M's and N's it. for me. I think I, before reading this book, someone somewhere there was a joke about naming their child Agamemnon. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't know who he was at this point. I just thought, that's really weird. Why would you make a joke about this? Now I know. And I like the name. I cannot say it. My <laughs> mouth refuses to say so many of these names. So him and Achilles argue a lot. They are both very, very proud. And neither of them are willing to back down or say they were wrong. Agamemnon, he takes a spoil of war that is a girl who is a priest's daughter from a neighboring town. And that was such a bad move. Yeah. Basically, Achilles wanted to take her and add her to their little tribe that they had going on but Agamemnon I can't even (laughs) say it now but Agamemnon was like no why do you get all the ladies where's mine yeah so he's like I'm taking her you don't get to say anything about it well then her dad comes and he's like I'm a priest and you're a jerk give me my daughter back he's the high priest of Apollo and why would they piss off Apollo yeah, bad. bad. Such actually such a bad idea. And he's got to have known this, but he still he turns him away and then he prays to Apollo and the next day plague. So much plague. Yeah. So all the animals, all the men are dying in their camp and I think that goes on for 10 days. 10 days, yeah. And then Achilles is like, "Okay, something's got to happen." So he gathers all the men to talk to them. But without Agamemnon's approval, and they end up fighting. Because Achilles went behind his back, Agamemnon is pissed off. And it's become clear that the reason this plague has happened is because of Agamemnon's stealing this woman and not returning her to her father. But he, he's like, no, I'm not giving her back. And how dare you go behind my back and talk to my troops about all this, right? So, so I'm going to take away all of your toys, which are women. Yeah. So that's rude. And I'm starting with Reese's. Yes. And that's just such a toddler reaction from both of them. It's just two oh, pig-headed yeah. little babies. Like, well, no, you shouldn't be doing this. Like, well, I'm going to take yours away. You can't have one if I can't have one. And it's just... Yeah. I am absolutely certain that on a smaller scale, I have had this argument with a three and a half year old. It's oh yeah, and <sighs> and then Achilles goes on to say, "Well, if you're taking my women away, then I am not fighting for you anymore." Yeah, and he's, "I don't care how many people die; you're going to lose the war without me." And instead mm-hmm. of being like, you know, I'm being kind of stupid, I obviously have pissed off Apollo. He said, "Well, fine then, I'm still taking her." And Patroclus is watching all of this, and he's like, oh, you guys. And Agamemnon Agamemnon is going to rape 
Breezy. He is going to hurt her very badly, which Achilles wants him to do because if he does that, it gives Achilles the right to kill him and nobody could say anything. He could just go there and kill him, which obviously with his skill he could do. And Patroclus is like, you have to save her. Mm-hmm. And Achilles is like, no. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Like, it's my honor. So Patroclus, he says, no, no, no. He goes to Agamemnon and he slashes his wrist and he tells him, what's up? And he's like, oh, I didn't even think of that. Thank you. So instead of hurting her, he treats her really, really well to make Achilles look like an absolute fool. Which doesn't make Achilles happy. Achilles is pretty pissed, and it was... uh, But poor Patroclus, like, he's between a rock and a hard place there. Oh, yeah. After this, the war is actually on, and the higher-ups are starting to die, and Achilles refuses to fight. He will not do it. And it's clear that they're going to lose the war unless Achilles picks up his spear and goes and spears some dudes. And Patroclus is just begging him, please, please fight. Do this for us. Put your pride aside. Go and fight. And Achilles' response is, anything else, anything, but not this. I cannot. He will not. And he, I mean, he's done, you know, he's done everything for Patroclus all along like he's he usually is really receptive to what he has to say and now he's like no this it's too far so patroclus has another idea which is let me wear your armor i will go out and they'll think that i'm you so they will all be rallied behind me thinking oh good we're saved and he doesn't actually have to go out so his pride is safe But also, they see Achilles fighting, so all the men are rallied together, and they've got a chance. Yeah, and he's kind of hoping for the Trojans to be afraid. So scared. Yeah, to see Achilles and be so scared, and then that's going to affect like their level of fighting if if they don't just run away screaming. And Patroclus has this whole argument really laid out well for Achilles, and he's seeing his cake and that he's going to get to eat it too. I don't remember there being a lot of, like, Patroclus didn't really have to convince him too hard. No, no, because, I mean... He was just like, sure. He pretty much had it ready to go. Because, oh, he did not, he absolutely did not want him to go. But he was like, you do not throw a spear. You do not run. Like, you just ride in the chariot. Sit mm-hmm. down. Shut up. You just, like, people will see you, and that's it. Um, yeah. That is not what Patroclus does. <laughs> not even close. But, <laughs> I was so mad at him. Yeah. Uh, he goes out there and he kind of knew like everyone would know that Achilles wouldn't just ride in the chariot, obviously, because he's the greatest warrior. He would be out there fighting. But like, Patroclus, remember, you're not. Like, <laughs> he is not a warrior. He has never fought a day in his life. Oh, I guess the armor had some magic or something, though, because he actually does pretty okay. Yeah, he goes out there and he like puts on some fierce Achilles realness and he slays everyone. Literally. Not everyone, but a lot of people. Like some of the really big guys. He just goes out there throwing spears. And you know what? It would have been fine. That would have been enough. He could have 
just done that and gone back. But no, he does not. Kept going. Uh, yeah. This part, I I just was like, why? What are you doing? And I, I, I read it a couple of times actually today. And I was like, am I missing something? No, he just, I he don't think I was, was. He had like 100 extra points into Bloodlust. And he thought he was invincible. So he decides to what? Scale the wall? Yeah, he thought, oh, the wall of Troy is unguarded. What a bunch of idiots. I'm going in. So uh, Apollo was just waiting for him at the top. Which seems like cheating, not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why the god is just there like, ha And he's like throwing spears. He just, what, picks him up and drops him, right? It's, yeah. I don't know. That seems like a little bit of an overpowered move on the Trojans' part, but... Yeah, yeah, that wasn't fair. And, yeah, I wasn't really expecting that to happen at all. Of course, this is a story with gods, so... Yeah, so they do whatever they want. They really do. And what they wanted at this point was to murder Patroclus. But it's not the fall that kills him, is it? It's Hector. No. Yeah, so he falls and it kind of knocks all of his armor off. And it's like... That's not Achilles. That's not Achilles. And I'm not Achilles. I'm just Patroclus. And yeah, it's revealed that it's him. And then I don't know if this point, like, his, like, magical Achilles-ness has worn off because he's just Probably literally just Patroclus very now. tired. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, Hector spears him in the back. Yes. And he's dead. And oh, the scene, Patroclus describing the feeling of the spear going through his body and how it felt to die was like, I had my heart racing. I love that we didn't lose him as a narrator. We just got ghost Patroclus now. Yeah. In Greek mythology or in the in Greek history, if you're not buried, then your soul still roams the earth. So he's still able to tell the story from his point of view. Yeah. So he still sees everything. And this part oh. was gut-wrenching. Yeah. It was horrible. His body is taken back to the camp and Achilles is broken mentally physically everything emotionally he is completely wrecked he wraps up and he puts him in their tent and he does not let them take him or burn him or anything he just wraps more blankets around him as he begins to rot and stink yeah (sighs) and he he just lays with him and he yeah he won't I just I can't in all honesty. Yeah, he he lays with him. He won't let Breeze's like clean him up. He won't let anybody near him. And the whole time Patroclus is, you know, a ghost kind of just watching this whole thing happen. And he's just wanting Achilles to let him go. He's having to watch the love of his life mourn him. And he is so racked with guilt because he let him go. All of his pride doesn't matter anymore. Not without Patroclus. I loved, actually, there was some foreshadowing on Mount Chiron where they're talking about Hercules or Heracles and how he killed his wife, uh, his family. And Achilles is saying, but isn't that a worse punishment for the wife because she had to die? And Chiron says, but wouldn't it be a worse punishment for those who are left behind? And he's like, oh, well, yeah, I guess. But he's very noncommittal about it. I'm like, oh, honey, you are going to learn in like 200 pages. And 
Like, I wonder because the glory was so important to Achilles that he was going to be this great warrior and he was going to be remembered for all time. And that he knew that the only thing that he had to really give was his life. Like, he was going to die young, but he was going to live on as this great warrior. But he never really considered what that would do to Patroclus. But he also didn't consider that, you know, maybe Patroclus would die and what that would do. So, I wonder if he had known that that information, if that would have changed his decision. Yes, I definitely think that all of it stopped mattering to him the second the Patroclus was gone. That was what he lived for. And without him, there just wasn't a point anymore. No. Oh, and he was so mad. Hector put on his armor from Patroclus's body. And wow, if you want to make Achilles mad, do that because who? He killed the crap out of him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was pretty pissed off. And then, yeah, so... And then. (laughs) And then... I mean, there's a whole whole thing that happens where Achilles, like, goes out and there's, like, a... The river god or something. He has to... Oh, yes. I was really confused about that part. I don't know if it really matters. I don't think so much. Because the next part that sticks in my brain, anyways is that after he kills Hector, he just drags his body around like a complete yeah. psychopath. Multiple times a day. Like, he drags it around behind his chariot, and then he does it again. And then he does it again. To the point that the men in his army are like, you have lost it. Yeah. And then Hector's father comes and asks for Hector's body back. Because the spirit's going to be just chilling in the void until he's until he's buried and because achilles has just been dragging him behind his chariot for a long time i kind of expected achilles to kind of have you know i don't know be more angry at this point still but he had kind of it was done i think because he came to him and he was coming to him as a father and as somebody who loved this person and Mm -hmm. he still has patroclus's body at this point And so he's like, I see, like, I'm sorry that this happened to you. I'm sorry that my son took him from you. And I think he just, he saw the same pain. And so he gives Hector's body back. And this is when he finally accepts that Patroclus needs to be burned. And they need to move on to the next part. Which is pretty much Achilles just wanting to die. Yep. So he just keeps going until he does... And it takes a while because he's such a great warrior that he's like, he's trying not to fight very good. And he's still just so good. He's he's just so good that he just keeps living anyways. But eventually Paris kills him. Yes. At this point, like, it's just once he is dead, you just kind of feel this relief for him. That finally it can yeah. be over. And he asks that his ashes be mingled with Patroclus's. And that they're buried together so that their souls can go into the underworld together. Yep. And yeah, you just think like, oh, finally they will be reunited. (sighs) But then, how do you say his name? Pyrus? Pyrus. The son? Yeah, uh, the the worst. Yeah, not Paris. It was really confusing because there's a Paris and a Pyrus. Pyrus is Achilles' 12-year-old son. Remember when he knocked up Datamea? Yeah. (laughs) Well, Thetis raised him so he is a little twisted in the brain yeah so he shows up and he's like i'm gonna replace i'm here to replace my father 
and I am so great. As like the greatest warrior, mm-hmm. right? And he's he's not well. He Such is an but asshole. He's, he's he's not a very good kid. No, no I would have been disappointed. So he decides, no, we're not putting Patroclus's name on my father's monument. My father was so great, his great name will not be muddied with a servant. And Odysseus does go to him because uh, Patroclus comes to him as a ghost. And he's like, please, (laughs) don't make me just wander here because they were all leaving the next day. So he tries and he fails um, but he's like, just please let it be known that I did try. And so then they all leave, and poor Patroclus's soul gets no rest. It just has to hang out there at Achilles' monument where his ashes are. But because he is not noted on the monument, it, it doesn't count. He doesn't get to go into the underworld. That's just so sad. It was very sad. But at least Thetis gets her somewhat redeeming scene. Yes, she shows up. I think she visits a few times, like her and Patroclus kind of. Yeah, she comes like every single day. She comes and sits at the monument and she completely ignores Patroclus for a very long time. And he tries to talk to her, but she's just like, she won't even acknowledge him until one day she does. And he's like, oh, well, I've got to like, what's she going to do to me? I'm already dead and wandering the world yeah Yeah. so he starts to tell her stories about achilles and who he was as a person that she never knew because she was just so bent on being the worst that she never got to know her son for the musician that he was and the lover that he was and the boy inside of that man and so she finally gets to hear all of their stories and it's Ugh. it's so nice and you kind of feel you feel this mother's loss even though she was not a great mom i feel like uh being a sea nymph goddess she does get a little bit of leeway for being so awful but well, and everything she does, she's always doing because she thinks it's in Achilles' best interest. Yes, she has a different view on what is best, I think, from where she yeah. is sitting in the world. Yeah, yeah, and she did miss out on so much of his life. And Patroclus is really the only one who got to really see that side of him. Mm-hmm. So he's the only one that has those stories and those memories of him. Everyone else just sees the warrior that he was. Yeah, and then she did get to raise Pyrrhus. And that didn't that didn't go well at all. No, it's he's evil. Achilles yeah. is what he is, and he ends up dying very soon because he was basically just an asshole until somebody killed him for it. Yeah, and then at the end, it was just so sweet. She says it's done, and Patroclus is like, "What?" And she had written his name on the monument so that. Patroclus and Achilles could go and be together forever. And it was like her one good thing that she finally did for Achilles. And it was like a thank you to Patroclus. Uh, Yeah, it was, it was, uh. it melted me. Oh my goodness. It was this beautiful, perfect bow on this beautiful, perfect book. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah. My heart is actually just like, 
just yeah. eating with it. <laughs> it's very, very lovely. And it hit just as hard the second time around. I loved it. Even knowing it was coming, I was just, uh, yeah, I loved it. Just a, a fun fact. Like we said, we, neither of us have read The Odyssey, but I've found out that within that book, there's a part where Odysseus travels to the mouth of the underworld where he actually sees Achilles and Patroclus and talks to them. And this is what it says in the Odyssey. So this is Odysseus talking. And he says, For of old, when thou wast alive, we Argives honored thee even as the gods. And now that thou art here, thou rulest mightily among the dead. Wherefore grieve not at all, that thou art dead, Achilles. So I spoke, and he straightway made answer and said, Nay, seek not to speak soothingly to me of death, glorious Odysseus. I should choose, so I might live on earth, to serve as the hireling of another, of some portionless man whose livelihood was but small, rather than to be the Lord over all the dead that have perished. So Achilles fully regretted his decision to die young in glory. He, in the end, would have rather lived his life with Patroclus, just the simple life. And knowing that, oh, it's just, it's so sad that they never, they never got to do that. It is this epic love story. And so they did have a life together, but it was full of so much more pain and strife than it needed to be. Um, but yeah, this was an absolutely beautiful book. If you have not read it, you should, because I just cannot get enough of it. The writing is beautiful. The story is beautiful. And with the bonus, you get to feel smart after, because it's Greek mythology. So it's really a triple threat. Yeah, it was, it was great. I loved it. And I remember when I was a kid, it was almost kind of trendy to be into Greek mythology, but no one actually knew anything about it. So now I, I feel like I do know a little bit and I am super interested and I'm always looking for stories now. Oh, I'm just so ready for her to write more. Have you read that short story that I read last year? I just I actually started it today. Okay. I was hoping to read it kind of in preparation just so I could say I've read it all, yeah. but I haven't. Wow. Um, so I'm a little bit in, but. Okay, well, not you far. should read it because then uh, next episode you can be like, I read it and tell me what, what you thought. Okay. I, I will. I'll finish it. Yes. It's like 10 pages. It's very, so. very short. I think, yeah, I think it's like 20 pages, but it's very, yeah. very short. And that could even just be the font size that I do on my e-reader. Yeah. It says, yeah, 26 on my phone. Yeah, but it's, yeah. yeah, so I cannot wait to see what else she puts out because she's fantastic, and I, I didn't think I would be interested in Greek mythology, really, because it's one of those topics that's so big and deep that you don't really even want to get into it because it just, where do you even start? Yeah. If you're interested, The Song of Achilles is a fantastic place. Once you fall in love with this book, then you've got Cersei, and then you've kind of got these touch points to start investigating more. Yeah, she she really takes these 
kind of age-old stories and makes them super accessible. Very accessible. To anybody. The language is not difficult. She doesn't make it hard to read. So I find like with the really flowery writing, I feel dumb when I'm reading it and I don't enjoy feeling like the author is smarter than me and just trying to prove it. Madeline Miller's writing does not do that. It must be the teacher in her. She explains it and she tells the story in a way that is understandable. I will sing this book's praises forever. Forever. For sure. But we have been singing this book's praises forever, so we should probably wrap it up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Next, we oh, update. Woo-woo. Remember how I said that next week was going to be the book club? Well, scrap that idea. We're actually going to make it the last week of the month because that gives people more time to read. It gives us more time to get together with you guys and find out what you even thought of the book. So the book club episode will actually be on Wednesday, the 27th. And next week, Jen and I will just be talking about some of our favorite and least favorite tropes in books. Yeah, so if you haven't started The House in the Cerulean Sea yet, pick it up and start reading it because it is so good. And we really want to hear what you think. Yes, so consider this like an extension. (laughs) Yeah, you are welcome. Other than that, I think that is all. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about this book and hop over onto our Facebook page and let us know what you thought of the Song of Achilles. Did we get it completely wrong? Was this the worst book you ever read? I mean, probably not, but let me know. <laughs> uh, I I would really like anybody else who loved it to just come over and have a little love party with us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Yes. And maybe write us a review because it really helps us out. Yeah, help more people find us. Uh, okay, well, it was so nice to talk to you. I will see you later, alligator. <laughs> uh, talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.